How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, I have new stickers, and I'm very excited to tell you how to get hold of them. But you're going to have to wait till the end of the episode. My guest for this episode is the delightful Kyle Turner. He's an author, a film critic, and a great big stoner which actually is a good point. We should put in a little content warning here. He's going to talk about some less than fantastic experiences with the devil's lettuce, the jazz cigarettes, the spicy badger, and how all of those things pertain to sexy times. So if you don't want to hear about those things, or if that's something that you'd rather not hear about right now, then probably best to sit this one out. Let's get started, shall we? This is probably true. Please be aware that the following contains strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them. Over the course of lockdown, I have gradually become somewhat of a stoner in a way that I did not expect at all. I was basically a child of the D.A.R.E. program. There was a lot of like anti-drug messaging um, in my schools. From second to eighth grade, I went to a school that was run by evangelical Christians. And while I was in college, I never really had like the phase of where you become a stoner and you start watching art movies and get really into that. I was such a goody two-shoes and, and so clean cut and such a prude that in high school, I remember my freshman year, my friends thought it was very, very funny that I didn't believe that you should kiss until you had been dating for at least two weeks. Um, because to me, a kiss was a promise. Aww. I know, I know. It's completely adolescent and, and romanticized. But like that sort of attitude impacted the way that I would negotiate a lot of social situations. And for a majority of my life then, I've just experienced a lot of those social interactions super lucidly without any thing to bring me down to other people's levels or to loosen me up or to release my inhibitions or anything like that. But everyone during this time through throughout my adolescence was fascinated with the idea of like what I would be like on substances, what I would be like drunk or what I would be like high. And I never quite understood what the fascination with that was. I didn't see what what about me would change so dramatically. And it wasn't until college that my friend RJ decided to have a bunch of our friends gather in his room and have me smoke a joint as, as like almost a spectator sport. And I remember that kept coughing and coughing and coughing and it was agonizing. My throat hurt. We were in this small room where there were six or seven other people and we were just there to watch me get high. This is kind of an anti-intervention. It's almost like organized peer pressure to make you try this thing. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. It was definitely organized peer pressure, which I was willing to submit myself to because um, I guess I was curious about new experiences. And I also wanted them to get off my back and say, I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. This will be fine. Oh, okay. You were aware of it. It's not that you walked into a room and they were all sat there in a circle waiting for you. No, no, no. This was this was a planned. This was an arranged thing. I trusted my friend. I was kind of curious. I was getting older and and. I at least wanted to sort of check this off the box so I could either incorporate it into my life or, or not incorporate it into my life. The most striking memory that I had was that all the people around me watching just sort of faded away because I couldn't stop laughing. And just the most inane things were coming to my head at such a rapid pace. And I just kept laughing and laughing, just cackling without control. And for a second, I I could see myself laughing. I could, began to have this slightly out-of-body experience, witnessing myself in this room, just cackling maniacally for no particular reason. I was not making any sense. And after that experience, I was like, okay, that was fine. I don't think it was ultimately worth it. It definitely was very strange and it certainly heightened certain senses. But the pain of like having to cough through the bong rip to me was ultimately not that much fun and, and not worth the, the pleasure of being stoned for those like two or three hours. And so I didn't really do it again for a long time. I didn't really do it during college. For the most part, I was pretty sober in, in university and then moving to Provincetown on Cape Cod, which is the one of the queer meccas in the United States. I mostly didn't drink or smoke or do any sort of substances there, which was interesting because I came out when I was 19 and was able to get a little bit more access to queer culture and queer community there. Any rambunctiousness I was up to while I was in Provincetown, I was doing totally sober, basically. I was going to ask, if you weren't smoking joints, were you at least smoking pole? But yeah, you were. Okay, that's good. Good for you. And so then I moved to New York in 2016. And it wasn't until like maybe 2018, 2019, that I would occasionally take a hit of a vape or a hit of a, a joint sort of as a, a social thing, a social lubricant. But I was really only one or two drags. I thought that was, you know, a nice way to interact and to commune and socialize with people. But I wasn't didn't really incorporate it into my life in any significant or meaningful way until lockdown. And it was in lockdown that I just had nothing to do. During pandemic, I got some inspiration from my friend he gave me this cookie this edible i thought this will be fine i'll take half of this and everything will be all right i didn't know that that is not what you should do so one evening i took half of this cookie edible this chocolate chip cookie and i just got like incapacitatedly stoned and started watching the glee pilot for some reason and i just started watching three episodes of glee just stoned out of my mind and it was horrible but also so fascinating so after having the a newfound experience of not being able to walk down my hall to the bathroom because I was so stoned. I then having nothing to do in lockdown was just like, well, it became such that my Friday night routine would be to get really stoned and I would order a bunch of fast food like McDonald's and I would just eat that and watch a movie and then I would get really, really horny and I have like a pretty solid sex toy collection. And because there was no one to have sex with during the pandemic, I would use my toys and 
it was a lot of fun. I think it was actually it's quite a beneficial experience, not only being able to like have this incredible sense of pleasure, but learning about what I found pleasurable, what、um, my body responds to. And I think it's really been helpful and advantageous as far as going back out into the world and having sex with other people and knowing exactly what I want and how to communicate that to other people and also be responsive and attentive to other people's bodies. So every Friday, I would just get like really stoned, eat fast food, watch a dumb movie, and like go to town on myself. I've never wanted you more. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Normally, my dosage was like five to ten. Like a little gummy or like a, a little piece of a chocolate bar, five to ten milligrams. That's fine. It's nice, a nice little buzz.、And、there was this one time when I accidentally took seventy-five milligrams. That's not like oh, I accidentally took twice as much. That's ten times as much as you should have been taking. Wow, absolutely deranged. And so I'm jerking off, and I start perceiving myself, perceiving myself. Perceiving myself having this like wild meta out of body experience. When I came, I saw death. I I thought that I was I, that that I was going to die. There is a thing as too much pleasure. I saw a skull like screaming towards me and racing towards my face. It had nothing but like a a long stream of flames as hair. It was very like Ghost Rider slash Live and Let Die main title sequence. It was horrible. I, I thought that I had like jerked the skin off of my dick. Just because I just couldn't stop because I was unable to move beyond like the the small repetitive movements that one does during masturbation, it, it was terrible. And I, I ended up talking about it in therapy the following week. And I thought, okay, I should take a break from this. I don't need to do this again for a while. Was that the masturbation or the weed that you didn't need to do for a while? The weed. I'm <laughs> stopping masturbating.、It、didn't scare you off jerking it then? Okay. Hilarious. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Yeah, I decided to take a break from edibles and take a break from weed for a little bit, just because it was kind of a traumatizing experience. It was really vivid and visceral and unpleasant, and I. Took a break from my Friday ritual. It's funny how like the most basic human movements can be confounding when you're stoned. During the process of having my Friday night ritual, I would obviously like wash and disinfect all of my toys and whatnot. But like I would put them in a box so that I could bring them to the bathroom so that I could scrub them down and whatnot. But putting them in a box and carrying the box and opening the door was such a task when you're high. Just being able to balance and with one arm, and also getting the door open, and I, because I'm addicted to my phone, I also wanted to have like my phone playing a podcast, and I was scrolling Twitter as I was washing my sex toys. Just pop them in the dishwasher; it'd be much easier, surely. Okay,、uh, dishwasher privilege. There are few apartments that have dishwashers in New York. I'll know I'll have made it when I get a an apartment with a dishwasher or in unit laundry. But who am I? But not a masochist. After. Over a year of figuring out exactly what kind of dosage is right for me, exactly what kind of edible is right for me, and how I like to take it, just the, the figuring out the routine that's best. Eventually, I did return to that Friday night ritual, but obviously not with the intensity that I was doing it. I was much more aware and vigilant about how much I was taking and where I was getting it from. So I thought. 
So I do this for like maybe a year, a year and a half or so. And then last spring, my friend, one of my close friends, gives me an edible that she has. I think stupidly, yes, this is the same thing. This random edible that my friend is giving me is going to be the same dosage. It's from the same place. It has the same ingredients. Despite the fact that I didn't ask her any of this, I just took the thing and said, yes, this is what I've been taking this whole time. I decided to take it after I had gone on a date with with someone. And I took it after the date and I was going to walk home and and I was going to watch a movie or something, do my thing. I love going to the movies, taking in Edible because I feel like it's able to open up new ways of engaging with the movie and new ways of engaging with acting and artifice and spectacle. It makes me feel more attuned to both my body and also more attentive to things that I'm watching on screen. So I take this edible and I walk home. It's about a 20 minute walk home from where I had met up with this person. And I think this will be fine. I I'm, have a nice evening. Um, it was a perfectly adequate date and this will be a, a nice cap to the weekend. Go home, get in bed, ready to, you know, watch whatever. And then pause here. Another important piece of context is that I, I'm adopted. I have a complicated relationship with my adoptive mother, who's white. I was adopted to a white family. My dad died when I was 14 in high school. And so the teenage angst that was emergent at that time just imploded when my dad died. So I have like a very tempestuous relationship with my mother. And it's been like a thing that I've been working through throughout my life, on and off and whatnot. And a lot of the things that I've been asking myself over the last several years as I've formed adult relationships, a big part of it was that I have a a complicated relationship to attachment, to forming intimacy, to um, allowing myself to be vulnerable and to be seen and accepted, which I've been working on in therapy, yada, yada, yada. And that has a lot to do with the way that my relationship with my mother functions. So I take this edible. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. And 
as I get into bed, I have my pajamas on, ready to have a nice evening. This little germ of a thought starts entering my brain. And it says, I wish I still loved my mother. Which is, you know, a kind of a heavy thing to to say to yourself. For listeners, I do love my mother, however complicated it is. But that germ of a thought did come. And then I could tell the way when an edible hits you, it just like smacks you in the face. It hits you like a, an 18-wheeler. That germ of a thought spread into, because I'm adopted, did I ever really love my mother? Which is not a, a true thought. It's very much sort of in the realm of negative self-talk that sometimes we can get ourselves into. But it was just like so scary to have that even creep into my mind, even if it wasn't true. And so I realized that this was happening and I got out of bed and I was like, oh my God, I'm getting too high. I could feel myself getting way too high. And then I started seeing a hundred of myself and it was like a kaleidoscope of different Kyles panicking and pacing around my room and having a little bit of a panic attack. I thought, I'm fine. I'm loved. I love my friends. My friends love me. And I started grabbing my stuffed animals. I have lots of stuffed animals as well. I love a good cuddly cuddly thing started self-soothing and and hugging my stuffed animals walking around my my room and because i was still having this like slightly out of body half-life experience i could see 100 of me self-soothing with my stuffed animals and just like holding them close to me and finally it started coming down after like a couple of hours but it was just like such a frightening experience to have on an edible Finally, as it was fading down, I was able to sort of come down from it and really examine my feelings about myself, about my friends, about my mother, about my sense of connection. And I was able to talk about it in therapy. And as scary of an experience as it was to have, I think it was a really important one to have because it really did help me sort of establish the kind of boundaries that I wanted to have with my mother. And so even though this was a an unpleasant experience, I think it was ultimately for the good because otherwise I wouldn't know The degree to which I need to have my own sense of self and my pride of my own ability to create a life for myself while also articulating that having a relationship with her in some sort of cordial fashion would be nice. The lesson for me was, one, check where your edibles have been taken from. (laughs) Yes. But also better understand your relationship to love in all of its forms, whether it's with your friends and community or with your family, with your found family, et cetera, et cetera. That's really nice. I'm glad that you found such a positive in what could have been a really horrible, harrowing experience. Well done you. It's great that you've taken the time to learn and to do the work on yourself that you needed rather than just kind of going, oh, that was awful. I'm never doing that again. Or, oh, that was awful. I can't wait to forget it. Actually, like looking at it and going, all right, now there's stuff I can learn here. And that's that's amazing. When you weren't having the floating skull trying to join in, how did the weed affect your sexual pleasure in those self-pleasuring times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the record even though it's like a really fun additive i do have sex without having weed or and whatnot no no judgment regardless of of people who incorporate other uh uses and, and substances as long as they're doing it in a safe way and and that everyone is consenting yada 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 but as far as the way that weed impacts my sexual pleasure, it increases the level of sensitivity that I feel, which is really fun and exciting. And it allows me to tap into like certain kinds of fantasies in a a much more full bodied way than I think you could do sober because you are sort of in somewhat of a trance state, if you will. And those intrusive thoughts that 
sometimes come up when you're having sex and you're not sort of like overtaken with pleasure, they sort of disappear because you are so focused on like creating the the fantasy or the scenario for yourself, whether you're using toys or not. And so that that's always lots of fun. And it's fun to sort of test your limits as to like what you're interested in and what you're attracted to and what turns you on. And being high has allowed me to sort of open my mind up to things that I may not necessarily have been interested in normally, which is pretty fun and cool. Have you taken this heightened sexual pleasure to your encounters with others as well? When you have one or more partners joining you, have you used weed in that kind of situation as well? And what kind of difference does that make? Yeah, yeah. I've incorporated weed into my other sexual experiences. I think for the most part, most of the like sexual encounters I've had since I've become a stoner are not as meditative, so to speak. Part of the joy of jerking off by yourself and having these little moments is that like, you don't have to talk to anyone else. You can be by yourself. You know exactly what you want. You don't have to translate what you want in that moment to another person and have to get them to do that thing for you. But when you are with another person and you are having those experiences, it is nice to be more attentive and to explore those realms and explore those possibilities with another person. Do you have a language or a mechanism in place in case it stops being fun or if you do accidentally use too much or the other person isn't in the right place for it? Are there mechanisms in place that you can use to kind of go, all right, let's just take a minute and that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We love a safe word. We love consent. We love having any kind of language to express when something is not fun or not safe or not feeling good. And I try to be as open and attentive to whatever my sexual partner's needs are in those moments. If they need water, if they need to take a break, if evening needs to end. I I think one of the best parts of becoming interested in sort of the connection between weed and sex is that it's not predicated on the orgasm. You don't need to come to have a good time. And that has really that's been a good experience for me to have and especially good preparation for me to be on antidepressants where I barely come anyways now. So if you had some advice for anyone who wanted to incorporate weed into their sexual activities, as an expert and someone who's (laughs) done it wrong a couple of times, what would be your advice for people in that kind of situation? I would recommend doing it by yourself, but if you have a roommate or a loved one, in the vicinity, always good to have one of those on standby. Take your time. Don't rush it. Don't do too much. Don't do the thing where you take an edible and it's not hitting 45 minutes and so you take another edible and then all of a sudden you're just like bombarded by being high. Horrible. Not not good. Take your time. It's better to start off with a lower dosage if you're doing an edible or if you're doing some sort of smoking thing do it one hit at a time and to figure out how your body responds to whatever weed strain and have fun you don't need like a ton of sex toys they're a nice addition and if you do plan on getting sex toys for the record get them during a sale you buy a person a sex toy and they'll be set for an evening you teach a person to get sex toys during a a mother's day sale or a halloween sale or an end of the year special you will be set for life because you'll be getting those babies for like 40 to 60% off. And sex toys are expensive. They're ridiculously expensive. And be kind to yourself. If you're having any anxiety or any negative self-talk, take a break, call call a friend, watch something comforting, watch a movie that you find comforting, listen to a stand-up album that that brings you joy. The point 
of the meditative experiences to understand how you want to incorporate pleasure into your sex life. Okay, let's let's pay some bills. Tell us about your book. My book is called The Queer Film Guide, 100 Great Films That Tell LGBTQIA Plus Stories, and it's 100 essential queer movies that explore queerness on screen in a variety of modes and sensibilities and aesthetics and genres and styles, all the way from 1919's Different From the Others, which was made during the Weimar era of Berlin, to Fire Island in 2022, which was on Hulu last year and is this really wonderful romantic comedy that is a loose adaptation of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. It's not intended to be like the singular one resource to explore queer cinema, but it hopefully is a really good, lovely jumping off point with some beautiful, gorgeous illustrations. I hope it will give people a fun and cool resource to explore queer cinema, whether they're newbies and haven't even seen Love, Simon, or Call Me By Your Name, uh, neither of which are in the book, or if they are more well-versed and they're looking for more esoteric and deeper cuts like Portrait of Jason or My Hustler or Sylvia Scarlet. And I, I hope people are able to find new movies that they love and, and share them with their community and with their queer found family. You say it doesn't have Call Me By Your Name or Love, Simon in it. <gasps> What's your criteria? I wanted it to be fairly unique and as inclusive a, a list as possible as far as the different manners that queerness can manifest in cinema, whether it's through explicitly LGBTQI plus characters or through the very form and construction of a film, through its editing and through its cinematography, through its aesthetic sensibility. And so a lot of the films hopefully are able to open up audiences to a new way of understanding what queerness can look like. And I hope that even though this book is called The Queer Film Guide, that they will consider it a queer film guide, that this will be a way to open up new ways of seeing queerness in media. The beauty of queer expression and queer cinema is that we are comprised of so many different experiences and so many different ways of understanding identity, understanding sex, understanding community. And it would be intellectually dishonest to not have some really crucial voices from queer and trans filmmakers and artists of color. And I, I wanted this to be as thoughtful and idiosyncratic a list as possible, because if I'm encouraging you to buy this thing, as opposed to just Googling any list on the internet, it will give you something to look forward to when you get the book, and you'll find something that you won't find on like IndieWire's list of best queer films. I don't think Seed of Chucky is going to be on most queer film lists. <laughs> But it's in the book, and I think it deserves to have a place in the canon. And finally, I suppose, if people wanted to get in touch with you, if they wanted to argue films, if they wanted your opinion on something that's just come out, if they just wanted to shoot the shit and chat with you, where's the best place for them to do that? I love being harangued. I, <laughs> I was going to say I love being shot, but that's not quite correct. I love shooting the shit. You can find me on Twitter while it still exists, and on Instagram on and on Letterboxd at Tyler Kerner, T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R, -E -E which is just a spoonerism of my name. You can find my writing around the internet at GQW Magazine, The New York Times, and at my website, tylekerner.com. There's a link to Kyle's book in the show notes, and... I think you should definitely buy at least one copy. Everyone you love in your life should have a copy of this book, probably. I don't know. It, it'll make a good present. If you're not a Patreon supporter, now would be a great time to sign up. You get a Christmas card. You get bonus materials. You get stickers. And if you and ding to you too. See you next week. Goodbye.
I love you. That was probably true. The LGBTQ plus storytelling project created to remind all of our queer siblings that we are none of us alone. If you liked it, then join the Patreon. Or just tell all your friends. If you didn't like it, tell me. Come at me, bro. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.